Welcome, everybody, to another episode of JewishDrink.com, the podcast show, everything. I'm Rabbi Drew Kaplan, your host. I'm really excited to welcome back to the show Rabbi Avi Feingold. Say hello, everybody. Hello. All right. Welcome back, Rabbi Feingold. I'm super stoked to have you back. Avi. 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 Rabbi Avi. Avi. Rabbi Avi, sure. Rabbi. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm very excited. But first, what are you drinking? I am drinking one of my favorite summer cocktails, um, yep. a Paloma. Ooh. A Paloma is uh, very, very simple. I mean, it's, uh, it's tequila and grapefruit soda, the splash of lime, just to, you know, give it an edge. Nice. You can salt the rim, though the rim. You don't have to put a wedge of grapefruit in there, but uh, that's one of my go-tos for the summer. Nice and straightforward. All right. So my wife recently came upon this also tequila-based summer refresher. It's tequila, I'm pretty sure like lemon juice or something and some other juice from Trader Joe's. I don't really know. I do know it's really refreshing. So. Okay. Well, L'chaim. Tequila-based summer drinks. To uh, tequila and summer go well. And, uh, you know, that's it. Okay. Mm. Always good. Oh, yeah. All right. So, you know, it's funny we're conducting this uh, discussion. Oh, I have to introduce you. Rabbi Feingold, you do the Jewish Learning Lab in Montreal. I do. You have a really cool podcast, which is in the rare. Several. Several. But you do do Spirits and Spirituality, which puts you in this rare arena of Jewish drinking podcasts out there mm-hmm. related, yeah. right? Yeah, well, it's, we, we try with spirits and spirituality to be as pan-denominational as possible, pan-religion as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, you know, it's great to be drinking with bishops, I have to say. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, I, I don't get to drink with imams for obvious reasons, but uh-huh. uh, I, uh, you know, it's multi-faith is, is very good, and we drink, we talk about spiritual issues. Um, yeah. That's really great. But we do. You have more podcasts, other podcasts? Um, I did a series recently called uh, Remix Judaism, which was a companion to the book Remix Judaism uh, by Professor Roberta Um, Mm Rosenthal-Qual. You should download it, check it out. It's uh, basically a chapter-by-chapter companion to the book where we go further into it. I just launched my first podcast with the Montreal Board of Rabbis, which I produced but not actually starred in, um, called Chevruta, where we uh, interview, where rabbis talk to each other over a text. Um, they pick a text, we put them together, and uh, they sit and talk. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and there's various and sundry others that I've been, you know, I'm out there in the media world. That's really great. I'm, part of that, I imagine, is propelled by the COVID lockdown, right? Part of it, but I mean, let's be honest, the world has been going in that direction in a big way also. So I felt like, you know, let's just double down on it because of this. But um, I mean, I have been doing videos. I just did a series for my Jewish learning called Behind the Scenes. But um, podcasting, I find because of the time shifted nature of it, because you don't have to be at your screen to do it. You can be washing dishes and stuff like that. Um, it's really a great medium to learn, to get informed. And so, you know, I've gotten into it and doing my thing. Really fantastic. That's a lot of th- more things that I knew about. Really great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of the lockdown being weird, we have, this is the Kiddush Club episode. Very excited to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And it's particularly weird because Kiddush Clubs have not been happening for the last few months, at least as of the time of this recording. Or they're still going on? Mine has not stopped. Um, We have been meeting outside, no matter how cold it's been, Uh uh, pretty much every Shabbos at a certain time. People come by, there's pre-poured drinks, and... Um, That's great continuity. We, um, 
we, That's great we have continuity. Kept, absolutely, Kviyut. We, we really yeah. believe in, in Kviyut. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, so, you know, that, that has been going, but it's also very respectful. Most people have davened by that time. Um, and they come, they do their thing, and you know, and that's it. No sermons, right? They just, no sermons. No. no. Come for Kiddush that's Club. It. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, but it's definitely not the same, right? Not the same as in pre-COVID times. In a way, it's, it feels better because uh, it feels less subversive, which is fine, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with. Yeah. Right. The, the subversive nature of it is, you know, the thing that people have a hard time with. And so I guess if we can eliminate that, right, it becomes just kiddish, not kiddish club or whatever it is. But yeah. yeah. So, you know, what? before we get into pre-COVID kiddish clubs, what's, mm-hmm. what about these social distancing kiddish clubs? What do I you mean, mean? What, what is there to say about them? Like you I, mentioned, I it reduces... It reduces the subversive aspect of it, of, mm-hmm. of the pre-COVID kiddish clubs. So they, but there's still a heverschaft, a, a, like a fellowship aspect to it, right? Yeah, so I think that that's one of the essential elements. If, and again, I'm not a sociologist, but if one were to do a armchair sociology of the nature of kiddish clubs, a big part of it is the community. It's the, the, the club. Those same people um, would be sitting together at a table at Kiddush, right? That's what they would be doing. They're doing it, you know, elsewhere, beforehand, whatever it is, that's it. Yeah. I realized for many, many listeners, they might not know what a Kiddush club is. I realized this is a, it's very important for us to set Why do you back out? up a second and tell people what a Kiddush club is? All right. So it has different iterations and looks differently, operates differently from, synagogue to synagogue, but the idea basically is during, whether it's the Haftarah reading, whether it's the rabbi sermon, during Shabbat morning services between the Shachari and Musaf services, that some people, often of the male persuasion, go out somewhere else within the synagogue grounds usually, and partake of some, some beverages, often of the whiskey kind, and uh, and usually skews towards scotch, but you know I'm sure there's a growing movement towards bourbon in that as well. Could also include, of course, oh, very wide wine. variety. As long as it's brown, it's okay, right? Right, but you know what? <laughs> I'm sure people moving towards uh, diversity, such as wine or vodka, who knows tequila? Could be- I don't think so. In in my experience, and I haven't uh, been around them for a long time, but uh, there's a lot. There's a big orthodoxy in Kiddush clubs around that sticking to that Whiskey. the brown liquors yes whiskeys yes. bourbons yeah yeah all right so pre- predominantly whiskey and sometimes maybe some sort of finger foods maybe going along with that right again depending on the shoals i've seen elaborate buffets i've seen two chillants i've seen i've seen big big kiddish clubs but again so that's neither here nor there there's a great diversity both in the food offerings and in the beverage offerings basically if you were to um, really get to the essence. The, the two essences of the Kiddush Club is that it involves some sort of alcoholic-based you know, drink, of the, the proverbial Kiddush, and then yeah. it usually happens at a time when one is not sanctioned to be leaving the shul. Right. Thus, the subversive aspect. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's a Kiddush Club, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, where should we start with this? <laughs> well, um, I want to start with something interesting. Well, go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, it's interesting that we don't find it during the Torah reading. It doesn't happen during the Shacharit. 
or Shema, it's specifically waiting until after the Torah reading into the more, at least, perceivably uh, optional aspects of the Saturday morning prayer services, right? Well, I, I, I would frame it differently. Um, right. I think that, and this is one of the big indications of what's going on behind the, the idea, the question behind the question of wither kiddush clubs, um, the way I would put it is, it's, it's usually at the point where somebody is starting to say to themselves, this service is taking too long. Right? Okay. Um, because it can easily, one can easily say that Haftorah is more important than Psuke de Zimra in terms of like your actual physical presence in the sanctuary, in the, in the, in, in the shoal itself. Right? Um, but it's usually, right, the, the times usually for Kiddush Club tend to be during the Haftorah, um, during the sermon, very rarely during the Chazan's repetition of Mustaf, because at that point you can usually hold it out. But those are like, that's the range of places where, where Kiddush clubs sort of happen. Mm-hmm. And that's the point where um, people are saying to themselves, like, let's, let's get a move on it. Um, and there's something interesting about the nature of that. Um, you know, to me, what it says is that clearly for a lot of people, the service on Shabbos morning is too long. Okay. I mean, it right. could also, if I can offer a little bit of a favorable read, which is mm-hmm. also after Shachari, for people, at least according to Halakha, after Shachari is the earliest one can make Kiddush, right? So at least... Yeah, so why don't they go during Torah service? Because they feel like they want to hear Laini, they might get an Aliyah, right? They know by that point, the Haftorah, that they're not getting a Haftorah, right? They, it's happening, right? They know who's davening Musaf, um, and they may or may not want to hear a sermon. Um, and that's at the point where, you know, it's time for people to move on. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, uh, so I think that that's the indication. It shoals that move really quickly. Hashkama minions. Hashkama minions, right, again, sociological you know, point, are often populated by people that might otherwise populate uh, a kiddush club. Right? Yeah. They want to daven at 8 and be done by 10.30 or 10. Right. And, and I've seen iterations of two different sorts. Mm-hmm. One is a hashkama minion that meets early, and then the, usually the men sit down, bunch of drinks, good food, and like they got the davening done, they don't need to hear a yeah. sermon, and they just want to, you know, drink and eat good stuff and good fellowship and good chebershaf. And I've seen separately a regular time minion that meets elsewhere in the building, and they also rush through stuff, they, they do their davening, and then they go separately from everyone else, and then even Musaf, then they have their kiddish club. Yeah, so the it's idea of being... Kiddish, yeah, it's really so, Kiddish, but it's separate from the main. I think know. a lot, a large part of it is because when you have these services which are designed to take up all of Shabbos morning, um, then people get bored and people aren't yeah. as interested. And the places where right Kiddush clubs are not very prevalent in Israel, for example, mm-hmm. because again Shabbos morning services go and they're done in a reasonable amount of time and you're done. Yeah. And by the way, this is predominantly more of a. Orthodox phenomenon, right? It's not a reform, renewal, reconstruction there, phenomenon. It is definitely, I've definitely heard of Kiddush clubs in the conservative world. Okay, so conservative, right? Orthodox. Yeah, but remember a lot of other places, like for example, the reform service, the services, the main service is Friday night. There is a Shabbos morning service, but it's not the main service. Um, it, there isn't a logical place and people aren't necessarily looking for Kiddush club 
if they're going to a reform service. And the same thing in the reconstructionist world. Um, you know, I always have a, I, I joke with one of my closest colleagues here in Montreal who's a reconstructionist rabbi, I've always said, there's no such thing as an off the derrick reconstructionist Jew, right? <laughs> There are many people that come up to you and say, oh, I'm reform. And I'm like, you're not reform. You're assimilated, but you go to reform congregations and you say you're reform, right? Or, we, you know, conservative also, you sort of have wavering. People who are reconstructionist are very reconstructionist, right? For the most part, <laughs> right? It takes a commitment. It's, it's a very different kind of commitment, but it takes a strong commitment to say that I'm part of the reconstructionist con congregation. Those people don't necessarily feel like they need to sneak out of shul because they want to actively be there. Right, the people that populate a kiddush club, and you know, at this point we can maybe move on, is the people that feel like they have to go to shul, they want to be in shul, but they resent the fact that on Shabbos morning they are hijacked for an hour, an hour and a half extra of their time than it otherwise should take. Right. I do want to highlight something you just said, but that they're compelled by a certain commitment, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's a religious commitment, whether it's a communal commitment, something a, a mix of those, mm -hmm. but they at least feel a responsibility, a communal responsibility. And, and commitment to coming to Shul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Even if they're ducking sure. out after, like. Sure. You know. I think that's why um, there's an uneasy relationship with them. You know, with people that go to Kiddush clubs, there's, you know, they're in Shul. They're often in Shul early enough. So very few people show up just for Kiddush club, right? Most people that are at Kiddush club are there at a reasonable hour of the day and they're dominating and then they duck out for, you know, a drink or two. Pros, cons. Should we identify some pros and cons of kids? Uh, sure. I, I, I don't I don't feel the Which need to. You want to go? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like like I said, I think that there there are definitely both, you know, there are things to be said on both sides. And uh, I think that, you know, people should be people that go to kids clubs should be respectful and recognize that what they're doing has a, a bit of an unsanctioned quality to it. And that's part of why they like it, but they should, you know, you know, and the flip side of it is that the people that don't like them or that are on the other side in terms of the clergy and the community or whatever should recognize that, yes, if it's done respectfully, it could be a nice little release valve in the community. And um, they are coming early. They are being part of the community. They're often involved members of the community. Um, and it is, indicative to me right i think the, the kiddish club people should be able to go to the shoals and say listen we'll gladly you know not be here if you gave us ashkama minion and that way we didn't have to duck out because we have a more compressed service or just compress the service to a point where we feel like it's moving along and that's it and i think the shoals recognize that but they don't feel most shoals aren't willing. They, they say, well, I'd rather have that release valve for the 10 or 20 people or five or whatever it is that need to duck out for five, 10 or 15 minutes because the overwhelming majority of people want that. It's so fine. Let them leave. I'm enjoying your sympathetic read of Kiddush Club. Can I, the very, I'm going to go in a different direction. The very first time I experienced it, I, I had no idea what was going on. All of a sudden, half the men's side empties out of a particular synagogue during Haftorah, sermon, whatever. And Musaf comes around. They all come back in. Some of them a little bit more lively, let's say. A little bit more spirited, perhaps. We could describe mm -hmm. them. And it was a very really strange phenomenon for me. And I think some people might see people, especially if they're a little bit tipsy, maybe that's not so, like, maybe they don't see it as a respectful aspect of decorum, perhaps. 
not to mention disrespectful of people leaving for the rabbi sermon. Like the rabbi spent time prepared, put this together, and they're specifically absent during this time. So there's a sense of either lack of respect or active disrespect. I think that can be sensed. Uh, by yeah, so I think that that's the place where, you know, clergy and communities have the right and the responsibility to clamp down, to go and say, you need a release valve for 15 minutes, go ahead, right? Don't come back and ruin it for the rest of us. Don't be yeah. an idiot. True. You know, I, don't I really don't... like the release valve. It's a really, uh, I want to say, generous read, right? Uh, I, I really think that's what it is. I think there are people that don't want to be in a service for three hours, and they say, you know what, if it's two hours and then another 45 minutes, I can handle that. I'm gonna, can I go in a totally different direction? Go ahead, Gender. it's your show. <laughs> Gender. So it tends to be that these skew masculine. Gender is a construct, you know that, right? Okay, but talking so about are sex. are also a construct, so <laughs> they skew um, masculine. It's they do skew bad. masculine. I appreciate it when I see kiddush clubs that are uh, more gender agnostic. Really? Well, that's good. Um, I think that that's. I think that that shows a progressive nature that says we're not here just trying to be bros and trying to get away from you know society. We want to be in a masculine space for men to drink manly men drinks. You know, there are plenty of women that like bourbon, that like whiskey, um, that are welcome. Um, you know, where you know that means that that either the women actively want to talk about football if that's what's going on at Kiddush Club or. The, the discussion at Kiddush Club is not just about things that are stereotypically male. Um, and I think that that's, uh, I, I, act, I think that's appropriate. I think that the, the self-professed feminists in any given community that has a Kiddush Club should be arguing to say, we want to be here too. We have the right to ignore God for 15 minutes. It's not necessarily ignoring God. You know what I mean. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I, I would almost argue that it's a very important, I, I could go either way on all of these things. I, I could argue that it's a very important connection, more of a horizontal than necessarily a vertical connection. You know, it, instead of necessarily- yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Creating space in the community for everybody to say that, right. you know. It's an, act of, it's, a, it's an act of creating a micro community, a little mini sure. community, which is sort of what's going on writ large on a, in a shul on Shabbat, yeah. which is a creation of community and this is a micro community. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Um, on the other hand, there is something to be said for specifically delineating, delineating men's spaces, even if it's de facto and not expressed. Yeah, but I, I, I guess I'll push back and I'll say sure. um, men's spaces, just like women's spaces, are important, but over things that are stereotypically male and that are very bro-y, right, where kiddish clubs that are male only, that are deliberately like Dafka, no, 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 women aren't here, women aren't women, right, those are unhealthy spaces. Right. If somebody goes and says, you know, we want a men's space, we want a space for men to be able to discuss stuff, you know, that are concerned to men, right, that's fine. But as soon as you bring it as like, well, we're doing it so we can leave show and we can drink whiskey and talk about football, right, those health, those spaces are not healthy anymore. I, I, I yeah, that's my... I guess, uh, I guess part of it is how much of these are, uh, you know, sort of forming, how much do they form organically? And they just happen to be men's only spaces versus those in which that they are explicitly created as men's spaces explicitly. Yeah, so I think that those things will very much form organically, but yeah. that doesn't mean that they are healthy, right? People organically form into racists, 
right? That doesn't mean that there are healthy <laughs> attitudes. Well, it's just how I grew up. My parents were like this and that's how I became. And I'm like, that's not a healthy response to what you're doing, right? All right. I had to mention the gender thing. I mean, no, no, it's important. I think it's interesting. And I've been in places where Kiddush clubs have women. They are usually the minority, but, uh, and, and I have to say that the Kiddush clubs that are like deliberately like masculine and where they're constructed in that way, um, feel unhealthy. They don't feel as pleasant to be in mm -hmm. as a result of that. Uh -huh. Interesting. All right. Let's move on to the culinary aspect. You mentioned, I've seen some as sparse as just some crackers, maybe a little herring, maybe some meat to what you mentioned, double twin oh, tulin. I mean, I have I'm, nothing to say. I'll be honest. I have nothing to say as a rabbi from a halachic, sociological, whatever, but from a culinary perspective, I feel like just having two shots of whiskey and then going on an empty stomach usually, and then going back to shul is not a good thing. I feel like there has to be, you know, I'm a big fan of finding like one thing from a food perspective and you know being very minimalist but being very perfect about it so for here's here's an example unrelated but you know let's think about it um for me the perfect shalashita's food right is chips and salsa mm, right nice. it's filling enough it's got enough you know acid in it that it's cutting through the rest of your afternoon right it's not too much you can have a bunch of them you can have 12 right um and it's like to me chips and salsa hits the spot on a, on a at a shalashoda's perspective right and so the same thing has to happen i feel like when one is creating a thoughtful food program for one's kiddush club right i think that the people that bring out the kugels and the chillants and the this and the that right is too much on one side and people that just open up a box of temtems right it's just i'm sorry right um there has to be i feel like one food that is easily available doesn't necessarily need refrigeration or you know lots of like constant refrigeration um and that pairs well with whiskey right if one is to think about that so it's things like you know honestly something like if somebody went and said you know what i'm buying a big tub of that up that utz party mix yeah. Right. Right. That or bar nuts, right, would be a perfect kiddish club food. Right. It's filling. It's just. It's not too much. It's just enough to cut through the the whiskey, and that's it. You want to get. What's that? A little bit of salty. Exactly. Um. You know, if you're gonna put be into a food, I think you cannot get better. That the thing that pairs so well with um, with whiskey is uh, is chopped liver especially if it's really good chopped liver. So uh, chopped liver and a tam-tam and a whiskey, it's over and you don't need too much of it, right? Yeah. You're not piling it, fill, you're not filling yourself up so that when you go to Kiddush, you're stuffed and there's nothing, no room left, right? It's, a, it's very rich. You have enough of it, but it's good. It's pleasant. It's quick. You can buy one small container of it and your Kiddush club can be through with it. So you just toss it. You don't have to bring it home. And it, you get some protein, which is good. Yep. Plus... It's not like chillant that you need utensils and bowls and other stuff like that. Or, mm -hmm. or herring can get really messy really quickly. Yeah. Well, herring, you can get, you know, you can deal with that. If, if you're a herring group and there's, there are good, you know, great herring groups, um, just, just buy a thing of like, you know, have some toothpicks out there. <laughs> you, know, you, you buy three of these, you're good for a year. <laughs> um, that's what I would say to the herring groups. You're handing out Kiddush Club tips here. You need, just need some Oh, come tips. on. I am. This is what I do. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you don't have plates. You don't have to worry about that. Everybody's, you know, individual. 
um, you know, I think it's, it, it's, it's being thoughtful like that, just the same way that you're being thoughtful with any meal that you're putting together or any sort of food that you're, you know, you're coming up with. I think, you know, that's it. This is a definitely an interesting direction we could go with on jewishdrink.com offering food pairings with uh, I, I mean nobody just drinks there should be food pairings with everything it's uh, yeah that's really anyway yeah. all right everybody watching this this is the this is my eureka moment <laughs> i need to cut into the food bloggers for sure it's good yeah so right. that's um you know that's what i think about in terms of like food and the sociology of it and uh I think that people, um, you know. Yeah. You know, what's fascinating to me going more broadly is oftentimes once in, once in a blue moon, these things will pop up on the internet or in Jewish newspapers decrying how awful kiddish clubs are, right? That they're <laughs> bad, they contribute to X, Y, and Z, and blah, 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 blah. People are missing, yada, yada, yada. Yet they're not totally, you know, bad at the same time. It's not, they're not totally good. Like they exist in this sort of like weird gray space, right? They have their pros, they have their cons and people can choose to go to them or not. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think that there are many things that, you know, there are people who are looking to save every, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Yeah. Right. Um, there are people that are willfully looking, ignoring everything that's wrong in the favor. Of course, everything's wonderful. We love everything. Right. Right. And, you know, decrying Judaism and Karlbach Judaism, right. They're, they're two extremes and we have to live in the middle of the bell curve. You know, we have to be aware. I think that making Kiddush clubs aware of the value that they have as a pressure valve, as a place for people to commune, but also of the negatives, right. So that they are aware of, how they can make sure and keep a check on themselves, right? Don't get too elaborate. I know, I know Kiddush clubs that go through two plus bottles a week, like I said, that have a $200 a week catering budget. Um, they, you know, they're people that want to like spend money and just go and enjoy and that becomes their Kiddush and it, it takes them to Alenu, right? They leave at the, the sermon and they come back, uh, you know, in time to hear their kids sing Adon Alam, like, they have to, the kiddush clubs should know that this is, it's okay to have a pressure valve, but like recognize where, you know, what's happening. You know, it also makes me think just something you just said right now about spending money on these bottles and having an opportunity to commune with people that people could be doing this literally any other time of the week, any other day, any other evening, you know, whether, whether it's a Wednesday night, there's who cares and having some, some whiskey, right. With some friends, but I think there's something to be said about something to be said about placing it within Shabbat morning as in a way, in a way, like sanctifying it or, or, you know, giving Shabbat, there, there's a certain owning Shabbat aspect of it. No, no. I, I, not, I don't you don't like the drush? I'll give you, I'll give you an example, right? <laughs> the same people that do Kiddush Club are the same people that organize the Shul softball team. Right. Okay. So they're getting together Sunday morning also. They're not saying, you know what, let's do softball on Saturday mornings when there's just as many leagues because we'll sanctify it. No, people are in shul and they want to have a drink. Let's, let's. <laughs> right. But as opposed to having that drink throughout the week, there's a, something special about doing on Shabbat, right? About having that drinking, that community aspect during Shabbat. Yes, absolutely. That okay. is part of the communal nature of it. Yeah. But like, I, I mean, First of all, and this is the one, I know you love sources. Um, there is one source that I found about this. Oh, great. You know about this source? 
Not yet. I'm um, curious. So my one of my favorite uh, websites, uh, favorite blogs, the Svarm blog. You know the Svarm blog? Uh, yeah, I love the... I love Professor Shapiro's stuff on there. Yeah, so I love everybody's stuff on there. It's great. Yeah. But there is a post from 2008 by an admin. So I don't know who was an admin at that time. Um, but there is a source that they found that whoever wrote this, it, it, it's an article on Jews drinking in Kiddush clubs um, from the 16th century. Really? Right. Um, what no one appears, so I'm going to quote the paragraph. I'm not going to give you the Hebrew source. I didn't look it up. You can find it on hebrewbooks.org, I'm sure. Um, what no one appears to mention is that Kiddush Club is not a recent invention. Instead, from at least the mid-16th century, such gatherings took place, specifically Rav Moshe Yitzchak Mezia. Um, most of his books responsible were authored between 1560 and 1580 in his book, Sefer Yefei Nof, was asked about the custom of the Bacharim on Shabbat to leave the synagogue after the Torah is removed from the Ark to drink whiskey before the Musaf. Is this permitted? If they do not sit down for a meal, this is permitted because the law does not follow Rav Huna, who prohibits tasting prior to Musaf. According to, to this tshuva, groups would leave to drink during the prayers. Right, so from this response, we can glean a few important facts about the custom during that period. First, such gatherings probably would not be called kiddush clubs because they did not make kiddush at all. Second, Rav Mazia does not condemn the practice and expresses no outrage or suggestion that it stopped. Instead, it appears that long as it was halachically okay, Rav Mazia was unwilling to challenge this practice. So, you know, this is not a new phenomenon. Um, I, the approach that he's basically saying is look, follow halacha, do the right thing, don't be idiots, right, as young Bachramar often want to do, and I'll turn a blind eye. Does he, would he rather everybody stay in shul and listen to his drasha or finish the rest of davening? Probably. Um, does he realize that for some people that's not feasible or it's not the right thing to do? Probably too. There's nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, I love that. Let's not let's recognize that this is not something that emerged 20 years ago out of the blue. Yeah. Right. And let's recognize that there are important things that one must keep in mind, right, in terms of a kiddush club, but that there is tremendous value in the chevra, right? I remember the kiddush club when I was doing in Chicago. Shout out to you know, Anshe Shalom's kiddush club of uh, roughly 2007 to 2013. Um, we even did like custom shot classes. Ooh, that's really nice. We had fun. We what one year we had uh we wrote on it Chevra Kedusha, right? And then in the back it said from cask to casket. <laughs> <laughs> right? So we, we had that one one year we had um because the Kiddush Club actually was very close proximally to the uh to the Tatshavat. Oh. So we had a little Kiddush, oh, we had a little shot glasses that wrote that said shot Shabbat. <laughs> Right, we had a little. Good puns. <laughs> um, so, like you know, it really enhanced it. And every, I still have the shot glasses. And every time I pull one out, I'm like, oh yeah, Chaver Kedusha, right? That's really awesome. <laughs> so, so there are value. There's value to it, and I think that the people that just you know, right? They're I don't know. I'm, I hate to put it this way, but they're kind of spoiled sports, and uh, they. Uh, they should absolutely have their say known, but recognize the value that is producing within the communal, you know, landscape. Right. And that's all I have to say about that. All right. All right. And on that. I do believe that cocktails should be a bigger, you know, part of the, the drinking landscape in that way. 
but you know, you know what? Like procuring ice at a kiddish club, I get it. It's it's a lot more difficult. It's like putting, like you said, with the food, you want it to be simple. Who wants to start rinsing out? Who wants to start rinsing out shakers? Which, by the way, that's an interesting aside. I I realized that a lot of people do cocktails on Shabbos, and I was like, wait a second. Borer. Ice and borer. And and, and there was like an argument, maybe yes or no. Could you leave some back in in the shaker? The ice is desired, but not always. Like, margaritas are fine because you shake them, but then you pour it out with the ice. Yeah. But... Unless you do what a lot of people do at parties where they just put a big, like a big jug, especially for a margarita or something, especially in the summer, something a little bit more fresh. You got to make a punch. It's a very different nature of a drink. I would not do a, you know, a properly shaken drink. Anything citrus based. I, I don't know. To do it in large quantities makes for a very different, you know, thing. Yeah. Um, but yes, really complicated, like not a simple, like, yeah, you know, fun punch, like something complex as a, as a drink might be interesting to think about for summer kiddish clubs or, you know, mix it up. It's a nice twist on it. Anyways. Awesome. L'chaim. I already finished mine. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Rabbi Feingold. <laughs> there you go. Smart. Rabbi Feingold, thank you so much for joining us this episode. This was great to talk about kiddish clubs with you. Thank you. See you soon. Awesome. Chaim.